Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Phil Tiger. Hello Slackers and welcome to the Slacker Podcast, the UK's finest music only podcast. What episode are we on now? 63? That means you've got 62. (laughs) That took me far too long, didn't it? 62 other music interviews or various Slacker style recordings, Slacker Friends episodes um, to go back through. You might like to go and listen to the Dizzy Rascal podcast. You might like to go and listen to the Johnny Marr podcast. Wherever it is you're listening to this, whether it's on CastBox or Spotify or Apple or wherever, um, just scroll back and you'll see the the names of the artists uh, just at the top. So you can go and listen to as many or as few as you want. Um, So there you go. There's your homework for the week. Um, Hello to the Idols fans who've just jumped on for this as well. We'll get to you guys in a minute. Um, Big up to the Patreon crew and everybody who um, joined within the the last week and everybody who continues to sustain original free content. You guys are absolute legends. You're... um, Doing the Lord's work. Uh, it's for t- for two pound. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the slacker podcast. What's that like? A Twix and a bag of crisps. You can buy me a Twix and a bag of crisps and watch me grow fat in front of your very own eyes. Uh, but no, big ups. Like it, it definitely helps. Like uh, put uh, a little bit of worth on 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 what I'm doing, and it, it makes it makes me happy that I can actually like you know go and afford such things as Twixes and bags of crisps off the, off the back of of doing this. So patreon.com forward slash slack podcast if you want to do that. Now let's get to the AF gang. You know who you are. The AF gang are Idols fans. AF gang as fuck gang as they're known. Um, they are one of the biggest fan communities that I have come across in quite some time. I joined the Facebook group um, a couple of weeks before doing this interview with uh, Joe Talbot from uh, Idols, the lead singer. And wow, like like you can really get lost in it. It kind of remind, it reminds me of Reddit. You know, like when you go into like indie heads on, on Reddit or it feels like you're in a community. It feels like you're in a forum. It feels like you're in a family and everybody's talking to each other. They know each other. They know each other's business. Um, 
they're like super fans of idols, but it doesn't just stop at idols. There's there's more to it than that. It, it kind of is a carry on of the sentence that finishes on the album. Maybe like one of the topics like around toxic masculinity or um, this out of the other NHS, whatever. But like it feels like the the conversation continues on the Afghan, which is a Facebook community. So um, anybody who's a massive Idols fan and feels like they're like a, a stray sheep out on their own and wants to join the flock, then um, go and check that out. Sounds like I'm working on commission for the Afghan, doesn't it? Maybe I'll go door to door after this today. Hello, uh, madam. Have you ever thought about joining the Afghan? Oh, you'd like to know more? Could I come in? I think I'd be pretty good at that. Get me suit out and all. Brilliant. Um, so congrats to Idols before we get into it as well. As, as I said, we recorded this back in July before I'd even heard Ultramano. Um, and we we talk about it a bit. Um, and obviously now, like benefit of hindsight, uh, Idols number one album, first number one album. Um, congratulations to them. Damn. <laughs> congratulations to them. Um, so yes, here it is. I sat down with Joe and... I really enjoyed this chat. I think it's a really good podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here's the Slacker podcast with Joe Talbot from Idols in three, two, one. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. Like I'm, I'm down in Brighton. I'm in my like, I'm in a little cabin outside the back of my house. Um, which I've kind of made into a makeshift studio since the whole lockdown shit went on. And do you know what? It's fucking great. I don't have to go to London. <laughs> and it gets to down, get to sit down here. I mean, it gets a little bit fucking, um, uh, yeah, literally cabin fever sometimes. Like, but I mean, it's not too bad. It's not the worst. I've always, like, I've always envied the shed. You know, the concept of the shed. My granddad uh, was an engineer, and um. He he had like a shed where um, he engineered like so we he'd, he'd like screw like he had he had shelving and then all his all his different size screws in in jar glass jars yeah he'd screw the lids to the bottom of the shelf and then just you know what I mean <laughs> See? all these cool little shit like that I, I was just it was like his. I guess his like uh, haven, and he was so organized. Like I, I'm definitely his spirit animal in that sense. Like uh-huh. he's my spirit animal, super organized. Like everything's got to be in the really right place. Funny. It's funny you should say that. My missus has started doing the exact same thing of putting the lids on, like on top of things, and then you screwing into it. Because we got a, a puppy about four months ago, and all the puppy, uh. all the puppy treats are in like these little sort of upside down things. And I thought, wow, this is like, yeah. the, this is the height of engineering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about as far as I'd ever go. Yeah, big time. Um, I was like, I was actually blessed to have you on the podcast. Cause I was like going, do you do chat show hosts come on podcasts? And, 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 after they become chat show hosts, do you know what I mean? Like, how often have you ever heard it? Like, seen Jonathan Ross on somebody else's podcast or Graham Norton on somebody else's podcast, because you do the Bally uh tv stuff now and i've i've, I've watched yeah. um i've watched one episode the one with arlo parks um, oh, cool. and um billy bragg so yeah I, I like it's it's pretty cool you've got the tv show host in you I, I don't know about that i tried um 
it was good. It's stressful. I think what I realised is I did this like personality test thing recently. And one of the things in it, it explains that it's like one based on uh, Carl Jung's kind of theories. And I'm um, saying that like, I don't do very well in conversations with more than one person. If it's one-on-one, then like, uh, I'm fine. Mm. But like more than one, and I find it like juggling a bit. And I find that with the show, it's like, ah, oh, if it was one-on-one, I think I'd be a lot more comfortable. But apart from that, it was cool. It's like, it's a lot. Keeping up conversation, but also listening. But like the beautiful thing about podcasts, I find is it's, it's conversation. It's not like a chat show, you know? No, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's completely different. Like, I mean, having done so many interviews at Radio 1 where you have to like get and get as much out of something in five minutes it's just yeah. it's impossible like it's just impossible it's not natural yeah i've got like i think for a guest on radio one i i've i don't know how many times i've been on not many um it's like i for the guest like especially someone who's fucking terrified it's like blah 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 you just fucking fire out <laughs> as much information because you're scared and you know that like no one cares so you get it out as fast as possible but um yeah, I don't envy that sort of it's 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 hard, man. I like but I, like I, I saw it more as like sat around like the Bally TV was supposed to be more like three people sat around a pub. That's why I always got one of my mates in mm. to kind of level out that idea of celebrity. Because you you know, people aren't interested in three of my mates all having a conversation. Obviously it's about getting Arlo Parks and Billy Bragg and shit like that. But um But you have to get Mark you have to get Mark on just to balance it out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kick off the podcast with a um, it's not not an early demo, but a, a, an early track of of yours called "Friends Like Me." Here it is. <laughs>
that was Idols and Friends Like Me on the Slacker podcast. Um, that does not sound like anything like like you guys know. No, no, no. What, what, like, how early you demo? Not demo, but how early a song? Sorry, is that? Do you know what? That's like the reason. The, the reason why I picked it is from when it was because um, it was like this period where everything was kind of falling apart. And that song we is the only song we've ever tried to record more than once. We thought it was amazing when we wrote it. And it's like, it's that thing of um, just wearing someone else's clothes. It just didn't fit. It might, the clothes that might look good, but no, I, I genuinely haven't listened to it since we recorded it. Um, there we go. Friends Like Me by Idols. I mean, I could say there was Friends Like Me by the, 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 but skittings like it could be any other band <laughs> other than yeah, idols yeah. it sounds like it it sounds like an indie record like it sounds like a real good indie record i mean i wouldn't say good i said it's piss piss middle ground like <laughs> it could be anything do you know what i mean I like you that. wouldn't go oh this song's sick when you're in a pub and like the reason why i picked it is because it was right at the end of um a period one it was when andy s our first guitarist left um and i think this song kind of sums up everything that we're not that we were trying to be at a certain point which was um successful was that was that part of the sort of raison d'etre around that point because i think that's that can be the part where most bands fall down like i feel like it was definitely one of the parts where my band fell down is like we started trying to we tried we thought too much about what our music was meant to be rather than just making it absolutely and um it's uh it's it's one of the like the the main like because we like what what excited me in music at the time was what excites me now and what excited me when i was 10 years old do you know what i mean it's Mm. like it's a sense of, of urgency, honesty, violence, beauty, whatever it is, you know, anything from like Portis Head to like, I don't know, more fire crew to <laughs> Radiohead. The thing is, that would, that would really Sony. fucking work. I'd love to hear a Portis Head cover a uh, remix of Oi. That would, <laughs> that would <be> <laughs> Lethal B, <laughs> Lethal B, and Jeff B in the same room. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine it working. <laughs> it definitely like, power, I mean, well, like you know, it's just whatever it is. I love it, and like, I think what I'm, what I've been doing, it. I like, I, I wanted to also write a book, but more, more importantly, do a podcast and 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 get to the bottom of what this is, which is like people's artistic language is like is is obviously idiosyncratic the best the best ones are idiosyncratic but that doesn't mean that they're not heavily influenced you know like bowie for instance is obviously heavily influenced by the zeitgeist he's like a sponge who made it fluent in his own language and more importantly more beautiful than the people he influenced could make it you know and like I've always like w- w- us as a band would always have a lot of conversations at the time, a lot of arguments, but now conversations about what we love, what we want to write, what do you want to write? And like, you know, 
at the time, it was one minute, it would be like an arcade fire track. The next minute it would be a Radiohead track. The next minute it would be like a McCluskey track. The next minute it would be Death Grips. And you know, it's like, we have all these things that like, we all love, but it's like, you don't want to write a Death Grips song. You love Death Grips, you want to write an Idol song. But it's about, there's this whole, whole thing you need to go through as an artist where you sponge everything you love up, but you become fluent in your own language. And I think that comes from craft. I think you need to learn your craft first or your skill first and then be able to forget about it. Mm. Like what you're saying, you know, so many bands are like, what should we write? How blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if you're not fluent in your own language, you've got to find it and you've got to find it by by making it and making it and making it and making it. And that was the last song we wrote that was like us trying to make it and not actually making, not physically making anything. We're not making music. We're trying to make it. It was like some of the, some of the parts there, like, like the chorus, for instance, was definitely the first time I wrote a chorus and went, fuck, I can imagine playing that live and it being amazing. Like we wrote songs before it and after it that I think are better. Definitely after it. But before it, we wrote songs that were more idols than than that, than Friends Like Me. But it was us really understanding songcraft a bit. And we kind of went too far with it. We were like, oh shit. Like, you know, like Bowen and me singing at the same time was doing this like dance thing and it wasn't, like in the verse, it's like me singing my melody and bonging as he does. You used to be like, a, you're like only steps away from like having call and response uh, sort of choruses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also two steps away from call and response playing where I let Bowen breathe, Bowen lets me breathe, yeah. John lets us breathe, you know. We were all just suddenly realizing that there's a way of writing good songs and we just all tried to do it at the same time and it just came out fucking wet that i mean that's important though it's super important is like actually making i i, I mean mistakes and 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 going down the path that's not the one that's meant for you like i mean i do yeah. it on a daily basis where i'm like because i'm always trying new stuff and if you're trying new stuff it means you're not very good at it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. You, you have to suck a little bit to to get better at it and you have to do the you have to take the wrong turn to find the right way i mean this all sounds like platitudes but it's actually true like i mean and the thing is with in in music most artists don't get that opportunity like once they're once something's out and it does quite well if they make a misstep then they're rarely seen off or heard of again whereas idols is different because like like with all the best respect in the world when you started off nobody really gave a shit because you didn't have a fan base absolutely yeah and like many reasons why i think like what we found worked with us was human interaction whether it be getting support slots for bands like we we supported some amazing bands early on and we weren't very good like who, who did you get who did you get uh um, this is when like the band was living in bristol so like you probably got anybody who was rolling through on tour right yeah and like i was djing bone was techno dj i was i was like hip-hop and like fucking anything dj and dev and i had an indie night called Batcave, so we became friends with like all the promoters in bristol like all, all the good promoters in bristol like uh, there were probably ones that i didn't know 
but if you're not known as a promoter in a, in a city, you're not going to be very good. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. It think, sounds uh, very similar to me growing up and uh, going to Belfast. Like you, everybody knows each other, and when a band, certain band comes true, you're the one that's like asked to go and play it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like we we kind of embrace that, and we we knew we weren't very good, but like like you're saying when when you're trying stuff out all the time, you're not going to be very good. But it's important to embrace what you're not good at and understand that you're not good at it to, mm. to improve. Otherwise, you're not learning from your mistakes or learning from any lessons. But like we kind of did it live. Um, we kind of were terrible live. We supported like male bonding, no age. Um, who else? Oh, there was some, I mean, later on, we supported like Ice Age, Proto Mata, like bands that we love Mets Mets we support wow, like all these yeah. bands that we like looked up to I feel like Mets would definitely laid the laid a bit of a blueprint for you guys yeah fuck yeah so did Protomar yeah. I mean so did Ice Age yeah um, um what were those like what were those shows like because if you like I mean you said yourself that you like it was you didn't think you were any good but then you really like I, even when we like even when my band was shit we still thought we were good <laughs> Yeah, no, honestly, honestly, we were such cunts to each other. Like, we we never thought we were good. We thought that we were potentially good. Mm-hmm. We always thought that. Like, with the first time we wrote a song where I, I lit, we all just went, fucking hell, that is sick, was 1049 Goffo on Brutalism. Mm. Like that's quite, first, that's quite long into your career at that stage. Like, yeah. what year did the band yeah. start? Hey, what year did the band start? 2000, maybe 2010, 2011. So, so he didn't get till about like 2016 or 17 or whatever that song was written until you went, Jesus, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's so I fucking, mean, you, you guys are where, where too we, hard on it, yourselves. That, yeah. No, but it's not, it's not that one of us, it's that we all finally wrote a song and immediately went, all looked at each other and went, that's the one. Like two tone, I was excited by three quarters of it. I didn't, I didn't like the vocals on it. I kind of half wrote it, but we knew that potentially that song could have been better had we been better at writing songs. Yeah. So that that's on me. That's like earlier. No, or welcome, welcome. So that's a really early on. But not all of us like. We knew that it wasn't good enough. And then me came out, and Queens was like, fucking great but it still missed like an element sonically. I think where not all of us were like, yeah, that's fucking perfect. 10 for nine goffo. We set, we started and finished it in one session and we were just like, I come up with like some of the, the, the lyrics really like on the spot, which is really rare for me. And I think that's when our craft became secondary to our like love for music where we didn't have to think about like this all the time. And we're just like, it needs this sort of thing and then playing it, you know? That's it's that thing of being able to just fluidly write something rather than have to battle it out with your own hands. Was that just you getting better as musicians and, and, and artists or like we practicing all the time flat out? Because like, I mean, you're right, like that bit of just like having to look down and just almost like wish your way through the set instead of enjoying it is mm-hmm. not something you can do for, for quite some time. Yeah, it. it I mean... Dev blessing wasn't very good um, <laughs> uh, when when he started, but he'd been playing longer yeah. than anyone else. So I was reliant on him. We started the band together. Uh-huh. Uh, Bowen 
Bowen's like super talented um, at learning. He's he's got a science brain, you know. He's he's a he's a logician type of personality. It's called, and it's like, you know, he's a dentist. He's a science. He's a, he's a doctor. You know, like he his his hand to eye language is really fluent. So when he learns something, he picks it up really quickly. Like he learns his pedals really quickly. He learned how to write songs quicker than the rest of us, but his brain worked too quickly. And we try and write eight songs in one song, and it would always just be pretentious. <laughs> See, he comes you know? from he comes from Northern Ireland as well, and there's like two things that are innate in all Northern Irish people that they have. All Northern Irish people have it. Like if you're from Northern Ireland, listen to this, you have it as well. You're you're good at golf, and and you can play in post rock bands, and you can do weird time signatures. Like like all Northern Irish people have that ability. It was um, yeah. left probably by the Vikings or, Nor- Nor- uh, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or yeah. Normans years ago. But um, yeah, he's got, he's got that, like that angular thing down. Um, mm. But I, I did wonder, I was like, going, how did, how did you guys like end up in, in the band together? Was it a university thing or was it just, you were all farting about the yeah. same gigs? So um, I'll just answer your previous question quick. I think what, what happened with, with writing and why we got better was not, not just that we kind of, our musicianship improved. It was like us as a unit improved. Like we really learned to write together um, democratically. Like you just know your roles. You can't just fucking, like either one person writes the song and you play it or you all want to write it, which we did, which is why it just took us so long as a collective to fucking write a song that we all loved. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, there was always something missing. And um, I don't know. I think it's just craft, crafting like that period after Friends Like Me where we just went, fuck this. Like, we're not that band. That isn't a great song. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to DJ that song. You, when I was DJing, I wouldn't have played friends like me. Do you still like like what? what where are you at now? Because obviously, you know, like you've got the, the critical acclaim, the sort of you know, you've got the the acclaim across the board. Basically, you're like one of the most popular bands in the country in Europe. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, surely at this stage, you can say, right, we're really proud of that album. Like, or do you, are you still as hard on yourselves as you kind of were at the beginning? Um. Yeah, I mean we're we're just as we're just as hard as on each other as we were from the start. But the difference is like we're we're happier and healthier and we're more fluent in our own language. So we're not as confused by our own you know, it's like like you, you get a four year old who wants to draw a house, they can't just draw a house. They're like there's something not matching their what they want to do. I mean, to be fair, a four-year-old won't care, but there's maybe maybe a six or seven-year-old that wants to draw a house accurately and can't and gets frustrated and goes, I'm shit, I can't draw, and they stop. You know, there's a four-year-old that just fluently just expresses themselves with crazy shit, but a six, seven, eight-year-old starts to get those kind of like pressures i guess and and having to do something realistically Mm. or accurately and like and that's where we we had to learn to be each other's four-year-old and 25-year-old where we're like (laughs) we want to express ourselves and have fun but we we need to do it well yeah uh, because there's five of us um but like i don't know like 
we're just as hard but like I don't know for instance I'm really proud of welcome and meat and brutalism and joy but I'd be damned if we wrote those again now yeah it's like I wouldn't want to write joy again and I'd be like it's not not us now joy joy is an act of resistance is two years old and is therefore not who we are now and if if like you know if Bowen so I've got this idea and it came out a bit like I'm scum and we hadn't written scum, I'd be like, nah, it's not, you know, ultra mono. What we've just written is where we are now, but I'm not ashamed or like, because the reason friends like me didn't go out is because it wasn't us. It didn't fit. It wasn't honest. Mm. Songs we wrote before that were honest and songs we wrote after that are honest. And now we're just at a point where our honesty comes across as kind of curt or brutal to each other or to the outsider, but not to each other. Uh, we're like, nah, it's shit. And as long as you say why it's shit, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you do. You need you need a reason if you're going to go into. But then, <sighs> in sometimes like there's so much subjectivity in music that sometimes it's hard to put uh, an element on why it sounds shit. Sometimes it, it's hard to vocalize why you don't like something. Like I'll hear a track and you can be like going. Why do you not like that track? I could be like, oh, it's cheesy. It sounds like this. It sounds like that. But there's some tracks you hear and you're just like, I fucking hate it. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I think that's a, there's there's two things to that. The first is the difference between <clears throat> now and 20 years ago is you can just fucking hate something. You haven't got some platform to tell everyone you hate it. You know, like mm. everyone's like, like, tapping away on a keyboard saying they think something shit. It's like, no one gives a fuck. Do you want to know what I have for breakfast? Does it matter? No. Like, if you can deconstruct something and have an interesting point about why something, why you don't like something, or why something is dangerous, or why something is pointless, or just to get money, then that's a conversation. But, I don't know, like, I just don't like, to me, it's like, what's important in, in the band and why we succeeded. The other thing I was going to say is that the only reason why we can have those conversations fluently now is because we have a theme of every album, like a palette, a title, artwork, and a, and a whole concept around the album where everything, lyrically, bass line, drum, everything has to fit within the, the remit or the ethos of that album. So that's why you can say, you're like, that's that's just not either. That just doesn't sound very good. Like that sounds like a really shit Mets bass line. Mm. Um, or you can say that's all right, but it doesn't really fit where we're going with this album. It doesn't fit at all. And, you know, you've got like a barometer of, of like right and wrong, not good or bad. Just like this isn't where we're going for this. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do, do you feel that responsibility, though, when, when you've got a new record that's going to come out? Because, like, when you write about a song, people are actually going to ask you what that means and are going to want to talk about that topic. Now, that doesn't happen with a lot of artists. Most people write a song and the lyrics are almost secondary like when you put out joy you know you would have had conversations with very many people not not only just like you know interviewers and, and people on the radio or whatever but like you know people at shows talking about yeah. immigration and the nhs and toxic masculinity and stuff do you have to prepare yourself going out with this new record going this this theme is going to be asked about a lot this is going to be asked about a lot like what what are the questions people are going to be asking after this comes out that's a good question um, I've never struggled with it just because it, it is something that we, that I, we as a band and I talk about anyway, like I, you know, the reason I wrote Samaritans is because I was going through a, a period, one, I was reading, um, The Descent of Man by Grayson Perry, which completely ignited the realisation in me that I was going down the wrong path with my own isolated emotions, we'll call it. It was like masculinity is is a beautiful thing in the hands of men or women if it's expressive and anything it's just like it's it's an it's a nice form of language so is femininity in men or women mm. you know it was that in me i was realizing that i spent a long time um adhering to something that does, doesn't fit and I've made a lot of mistakes because of it. And it, that was down, like, you know, there's a real psychosis to silence. And I was silent. I thought I was on open and honest as a person and an artist in terms of my emotions, mm. but I wasn't. I was like, you know, not like that. And it was like a real exploration and a realization at that point. You know, what, what happens is that obviously Samaritans came out at a time when toxic masculinity is a hot topic so it then gets projected onto me and I've got no problem with that because I'm, I'm always going to be kind of a window onto what's going on in my life so it's going to be a, my life is just a small part of what's going on anyway so it's our, our, our lyric my lyrics are always going to be part of the zeitgeist because I'm not fucking I'm not ignorant to my own situation. The whole point of our, our band's narrative is existential. It's about understanding our roles in where we are and who we are at that point in time. Now with Ultra Mono, I've already done a bunch of interview, and interviews for it about the songs. 
and it's like it's like bliss it's like finally journalists are understanding what the album is maybe it's because we're bigger and people are just doing their fucking research <laughs> you, know, um, you know every interview yeah. so who is Danny Nodelko yeah and I, like, I know just you, fucking you, google it you mad you, you can like I did an interview with Bob Geldof recently and I've always wanted to interview him and yeah this is this is the level you need to get to his PR person said beforehand that I had to watch the Iron 50 documentary about the Boomtown Rats before before I interviewed him I was like fucking happy days like I'd watch this shit anyway send me yeah, that yeah, link yeah. <laughs> that's fucking bliss I mean that is yeah I mean like I don't I, I don't when I say research I just mean listen to the album really I think that's all you need for ultra mono it's what what I did with with brutalism brutalism was like a real explosive catharsis thing where like it's like half poetry half pontification on a record that's a bit scatty and brutal um but that's what was going on when i was coming out of a real big cycle of addiction and losing my mum. so like it had to come out that way and it was the, the best i could have done at that point what happened after brutalism and that period in my life was that i, I had to recollect and really save my own life from from many things mm -hmm. alcohol drugs and just being an asshole to people, like a real piece of shit sometimes. So I had to come out of that and collect myself and go, right, um, I need to sort my relationships out with people. I need to be a better artist. I need to work harder. I need to be a better son to a mum that I've just lost and, and do something. And then Joy was like, how do I do that on record? And it was like, okay, well, it's like a rebirth, it's a renaissance, like a rebirth of me and what I was trying to do. So I started and Joy was supposedly, supposed to be sloganeering as I've been criticized for. It's like, they are nursery rhymes for me mm. to recite, to me and the people I love, to understand what I, what I am going through and what I was going through in order to move forward. So it's like me literally collecting all the pieces and going, fuck, I'll just put that there for now and watch it and then tour it and then come out of it a better person. Not a better person, that's a shit phrase. But like, come out of it a, new, a, a newer person, like clearer in my foresight. Does that mean then if the first album was like, you know, the like almost like the... I'm not putting words in your mouth, but like this is how, I, how I'm interpreting it. Like, if the first album was the one where you were broken down, and the second one was like where you were putting positivity into the world, and almost like as an act of penance in in a way, but also an act of positivity. Does that not mean that like this one is probably the, like the point where you this will probably be the real you? Because like you're probably maybe a little bit more flat, like not flat. What's what's the word? More like stabilized now than before. I don't know. I'd say, I, it, again, it's a good good question. What it is, the first album was, they were all very much me, as me as possible, but I wasn't as fluent in, in our artistic language, in idols, you know, I, I speak idols more now. Mm. But also, I was super broken and confused with brutalism. With Joy, I was still very confused and erratic and sad and angry but I was realizing and accepting that, you know, like I was like, right, I really need to just put myself in front of myself and 
like listen to who I am, listen to myself. That's what positive masculinity, no, not positive masculinity, the opposite of toxic masculinity is. It's about listening to yourself and talking about your feelings. And that's what I was doing on record. So like, they were both me. I was just, fuck it. Like, I didn't know who I was as much. Whereas now with Ultra Mono, it's definitely the most idols record we've made. And it's the most me in terms of fluency. But they're all as honest as each other. I'm just less confused. How do you... And this is the most, this is the most self-assured album. You know, Grounds yeah. is about that. It's about me going, I've listened to all your crit criticism now and I'm just going to do this and go, I'm, I'm, I'm ready <laughs> to tour the world now. <laughs> go and fuck yourselves. Like, I'm bored of your bullshit. Like saying, oh, you know, you're a middle class. How can you talk about class inequality? It's like, well, that, like it's we, not the Victorian times, you fucking assholes. It's like, like your man. Like, I, 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 I've had contact with, with poverty. I understand what's going on in the world, and I want to change it for the better. So, here it is. Like, either, either I'm part of this conversation, or I'm not. But I'm still gonna put something beautiful out there. Um, it's just me going. I need to stop worrying about these like certain people who like don't know me and say shit about me and then i go away going is that, that me it's like who fucking does that <laughs> i don't need to question who i am because someone who doesn't know me tells me who i but am he's been but on it took me a long time to get there because it's J jason from sleaford mods is has been on the podcast and the thing is he like this podcast hasn't dropped I'm and neither is his podcast dropped. Jason yeah no but but but, but i mean he's Example. he said yeah. he said something very similar to what, what you're saying about you um but from what i gather i think he's mellowed out on a lot of it and <laughs> oh, i don't know actually I can't, I can't even remember it was so long he recorded. Down, yeah he's just, like, he's just not saying anything for now uh, like but like you know he's he's, he's every, all those people are entitled to their opinion and what he's saying about us is true hmm. to him it's not a, it's not lying what he thinks of us is true it's his truth i always use the be truth. but like you know i i'm not going to not like my my mum brought me up she was working class from newport and talked to me about social injustice from a very young age worked her ass off to get promoted so that we could have a nice house she then got ill, overworked, alcoholic, ended up dying from kidney failure because she, oh, she, she did too much in her life and she resented a lot of it, drank herself to an early grave. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen it, I've seen the narrative from, from a side where I don't want that for my kids, where you sacrifice too much and end up... And, end up dying for it you know she just worked in jobs she didn't love and my father's an artist and always has been um also working class and has shown me also about social injustice and the importance of art and the importance of words and the importance of compassion and empathy like i'm just trying to show empathy and be not an example but be like i don't know what was it just a of love like it's, it's it's all it is and like you know 
know, my hero is Tony Benn. Like, what I'm going to say, he's, he wasn't. <laughs> One of the questions I wanted to sort of jump back to was um, when when you write such like like great and honest and raw lyrics, like when you're in rehearsal room, right? The band can't hear what you're singing properly. Like, like no, like no band can in in rehearsal. They can maybe hear little bits and pieces. So when they really only hear the actual lyrics for the song for the first time will be either when it's demoed or in the studio. Like you, The band must have some serious conversations afterwards considering you're the one that's writing the lyrics and that's the first time they hear it properly crisp. I never wrote the lyrics until, at, like we'd finish it, we'd write a song together musically and then I'd go and write them and then come back and sing it to them. I don't know how well they heard it, but with Ultra Mono, I didn't write the, the lyrics until I was in the, in the, in the booth. So like they were written on the spot. So I didn't know what the lyrics were until we, it's <laughs> like I wrote, I maybe wrote five songs before we went in the studio, like lyrically. I write every song I do from start to finish in one go. So I have to wait until there's a, like a title and some rhythm there. And then I'll go write. I can write it now. And then I'll just sit there and, and write it out in one go. But I wanted that, the ultra mono is all about momentary acceptance of the self. So to embody that purely, I wanted to just write as many songs on the spot as possible. Some I just had really good ideas for, like, you know, it's normally like a phrase or a, or a title or a word or something that I really want to put in there. And it kind of, because the, the music's already written, it normally fits the music. So, um, yeah, so the, boy, the boys just have to have faith. And then if it's <laughs> shit, they'll just say it's a shit. I'll always go, is this good enough? And they'll be like, yeah, sick. Yeah, I mean, you're still the only person that I've ever heard put creatine into a song. Like, I've, like, I've never heard that. <laughs> it's not one of those sexy words you hear in, like, too many tunes. Yeah. Um, like, well, one of the big things about your, your band, and a, a part of the reason why, like, you are as massively popular as you are, is that you, you create a live show unlike any other. Um, and you beat your instruments and, your, and yourselves on the stage like it owes you money. And I, I really, really enjoy it. I've seen you play numerous times. I've seen Mark fall over and trip him and hurt himself <laughs> numerous times. What, what, what is the um, show that people mention to you most that you've played? Like either something crazy happening or the most infamous idols moment of a live performance? A lot of people who are at the gig uh, at Mohawks in Austin uh, it was a fluffer, you know, fluffer pit parties. They have them in London. Mm-hmm. So fluffer put on. Pit I was outside that gig. I couldn't get into it because I went to the one beforehand where it was thirty-three degrees north or whatever. It was the Six Music introducing show. I was at that one, and we went to go to that one, but we couldn't get in. Gutted. Well, yeah. I mean, in America, a lot of people bring that one up, and some, you know, Europe and England as well, just because it was like south by southwest or whatever but that one get that one's got brought up a lot in the last year that i pick up on like oh yeah people like i think it's just because it was like because it's a pit party so we're playing on the floor it was what the wedding present is that it yeah the wedding present Mm. then life then us then mets nice what a show it was just like you know, it's what I love about touring with bands you love. Like we always pick bands to support us or that we support that like we we want them to play like we owe our money. 
like it's scary you know like there's a bit of competition there like not a bad like a band that goes out going we should be headlining that's what i want <laughs> so that we go out like fucking hell we're gonna have to really work hard for this one now and that's that's what all of the bands we played with were like they 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 didn't play you know for the sake of it they played because it's their it's their love it's their life um but that night was just like four bands trying to outplay each other and like in, in the crowd there's something about being in the crowd and like i i just had this thing where like i see there's a bit of conflict there like there's there's an energy with our audiences and it's always positive normally there's been like one occasion where i think of the well, two actually that won um and like you just embrace that like energies coming from us and them and like it just felt like you know, being in their face was just something magic. I wouldn't want to do it every night because it's exhausting being that close to people. Um, like, like, like emotion-wise, it's quite like it's a lot. Not you, you. Not that I want to be above people on stage, but the the, the distance from that. Does Obviously, it... you need to be above so people can see you. Yeah. I don't enjoy like being on top of people. It's like just that bit of of distance creates like but there's a psychology as well people feel like they're at a show when they're looking up like i think like i do you know do you know what i mean it's like yeah you like you can't like say the psychology like you say like putting on trousers you feel like a human and you feel like you've done something with your day you never feel like you've done something with your day if you're sitting around your boxers all day there's no difference (laughs) really yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah but like yeah, I, I always wondered how you how you went on tour, like because obviously, like I know, like you, you used you guys used to party hard like years ago, and and you know you've kind of curbed that quite a bit. Um, yeah. uh, but I was just like, because you don't tone it down from show to show. Each show is is its own unique entity, and you never really yeah. know where it's gonna go. <laughs> like literally, you don't know where it's gonna go because you'll just run around the whole place. Yeah, like we don't know. Like what I've always what I learned, I didn't, not straight away, like, especially when I sobered up, it's about like, if I'm having a bad day, you get that energy on stage. So if I'm sad, you get sad, Joe. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I just try and amplify how I feel outwardly. It's like theater, but you're not acting, you're, but you're performing you. So like, if I'm happy, you're gonna get happy, Joe. If I'm angry, you get angry. It's like, but you have to let it out and not try and fight it and be like, the front man it's about all five of you fucking making the songs as as you as possible on that at that point which is it is exhausting but you just like you, you literally like napping in the afternoon and not drinking or doing drugs is a key to being in your 30s and touring the world <laughs> and doing that show every night. who's like the... it's it's mad it's mad to think that you you do it especially to the level that we do it at. Like, it is, I'm not, there's no bullshit there. It is really everything you have in that moment. Like, it is as as cathartic and and bright and vibrant as it seems. It's not something that we're pretending. So it is knackering. Which one of you is the most unpredictable? Because you have to kind of stay in in the middle a bit. Like, I've I've blinked and, yeah. I see what you mean. I'm unpredictable in terms of like what happens on stage. Yeah, Bowen. <laughs> Definitely. What's what's like if if you like had to tell a story about him on stage, 
what is your go-to one? Like, what is your like going? He's a mad bastard because. Oh, do you know what he's like? Uh, I'm trying to think of one now. Uh, I mean, it, to be honest, I, like the not, none of them come to mind where I've been like, oh my god. I mean, Lee Lee gets himself in really fucking weird. <laughs> Bowen Bowen like does shit where he'll climb somewhere ridiculous and then just like just to wave at us or something and stop playing. Like, he's just an asshole like that. It's not like, oh, my God, that's crazy. It's just like, oh, you're so annoying kind of stuff. But they've got, like, 40-meter 40, 40 leads or something now. I don't know how long it is. Not, <laughs> not that long, but it's long. Um, but Lee always ends up getting ambushed by, like, the psychopath. <laughs> the <fucking laughs> They're like, you know, I, like, you know, He'll get accosted by a couple asking him to come back to to their place, like whilst he's doing a solo. And it's like, no, um, I don't know. Like, we're not like, I don't know. There's no like moments like the Who or anything. Like, we just fucking we just play the songs to the most we can. But it's, um, it, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. Like, I I I, I definitely massively enjoy watching you guys live. Well, one thing, I mean, I've been a fan since, like, I mean, the first moment I remember ever hearing Idols was, I remember hearing that Trevor Nelson song, as I called it, like, maybe, like, two or three times, and then I went and listened to the rest of them. I was like, oh, I actually, they're, they're, God, they're more than a one-hit one wonder, this one. Um, but I didn't know much about your Idols community that you've built up on Facebook, All Is Love like oh, that okay. yeah i yeah i didn't know anything about that at all until like g- genuinely just days ago when i was doing a bit of research i, I was almost a bit cocky with it because i've been sort of with you guys since the beginning i was like i don't need to do that much research we can just sit and chat but actually yeah. i joined the community and went through it you literally have built a, a village not even a village a fucking town a commuter town of of <laughs> idols fans that are all supporting each other can you tell us what like anybody that's listening to this about it yeah, we've built our own Milton Keynes. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, it's not anything that we've built, really. I can't. I can't take credit for it. It is literally. I used to say, like, put out a post saying Afghan, Afghan. I saw it. On, it's, it means like entrance, I think, mm. in Dutch or something. And I was <laughs> like, oh, that's a sick name for a band, yeah. like for a gang, like as fuck gang, as in like give it everything gang. Uh-huh. I was like, shit, we should just call ourselves the Afghan. Do you know what I mean? I think we used to say as fuck a lot as like, ironically. Anyway, I put it out a few times. So like, all right, Afghan, do this. Like go to this thing we're doing or come see us here. And then they took it on. as like the, the name of the, the fans, you know? And um, I, I thought no more of it at first. I thought it was cool, obviously. Anything like that, when someone, when you, when you put something out there and people that like your music take it on, it feels fucking amazing. Like on a, on a small level, you know, like people that pick up on little details. Like this one, this one woman made a badge. I once talked about the, the band as being like my mum used to, when she was in her late years, like for the last 10 years, had carers come in and look after her. Cause she, like I, I lived with her. I moved back to look after her. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't there on the weekends. I was DJing in, in Bristol uh, and working at Louisiana. And, uh, but carers would come and make her sandwiches and w- wipe her ass and do everything. She was paralyzed down the right side and she couldn't talk. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so, yeah, when I wasn't doing that, carers were. And I just remember coming home one day and some one of the carers had made her a sandwich and it was like someone without fingers or a soul had made her this sandwich. It was a fucking abysmal. And then I just realised that I wanted to make all her sandwiches and make them as beautifully and put as much love into every sandwich as I would the not the queens because I fucking hate the king queen but like or I hate the royals not not the people just the idea um, but like shit you know, there goes my headline <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean fuck yeah, you yeah, know, fuck yeah. the royals um, um, but I wanted to make every sandwich the best sandwich she'd ever eat because I think she deserved it and I just think that's the level of care you should give and then when I started becoming I became a care worker. I just did the same thing, you know. I just think that's someone else's dad or someone else's mum, and I want them to have the same level of care as I give my mum. And I put that into our music and our art and stuff. And um, someone just heard me say that and made this little badge that was like a, a heart-shaped sandwich. Aww. And I just thought that was a really fucking yeah. cool thing to make. So stuff like that, little things where like people really pay attention to, to the details and not just the bombastic nature of what we do, but why we do it. And uh, the Afghan was just like that. They really picked up on the message of empathy and love and acceptance and inclusivity and made a community of fans. It is fans, but like, I'm sure, you know, it's, I hope, um, I don't go on it. I haven't got Facebook anymore. Um, I haven't done for a long time. Like, it's it's them opening up about their shit that week. Yeah, you know? I, I I went on and looked through the thread of of stuff that's been put up recently, and it just sounds like the, a load of sound fuckers all in one place hanging out, yeah. watching each mm. other's back, going, "Have you seen this? Have you seen this? This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing." I was like, "This is this is a lovely a lovely thing in a mire of shite, which is normally yeah. social media. So it's it's good good to have a bit of community." Um, yes, that's what I that's what I love about it is that. It's like what, it's not something we can ever take credit for building. It's like people have taken themselves out of their situation, surrounded by bullshit, and heard something that we've said and then built something themselves together that's more important than the band will ever be. And that's cool. That's like the Greta Thunberg thing. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, on paper it's cheesy, but this isn't a movie. And to actually have empathy and love and to show each other a bit of compassion and to go out of your way to give someone a hug, listen to their problems, make them a sandwich is, is, is important. And like, you know, that's why there's a difference between someone like Jason Williamson, who I genuinely agree with his criticism, is just misguided. Like Jason Williamson doesn't like people accosting someone else's class issues like he i think he sees me as someone pretending to be working class to create um an entity that i can then sell and then forget about class problems i think that's you know he's critiqued the art he has like and me but it's, it's about my lyrics and me pretending to be something i'm not which is not something i've ever done so i can take that and go I get what he's saying. He's he's wrong about me and my intentions, but I get what he's saying, and it is a problem. You know, it's the same as you know people accosting and stealing other cultures and making it their own just to sell. But what what I don't what I don't appreciate 
or give a fuck about anymore or adhere to or listen to or even pander to in some ways is people that criticize our message in general or our fans of like it's some sort of condescending thing is so actually love and empathy in this day and age is a fucking battering ram compared to your trite sneering pretentious dog shit but like criticism or art or music or whatever it is you know they're kind of like fuck like oh yeah all this love get fucked it's like what have you got what have you done do you know what i mean it's like actually these people have gone out of their way to make themselves vulnerable to look after each other and that is that is fucking hard that's tough that's that's real see when you like, I'm, I'm 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 inspired by it now you know? when, when you talk about like you know you like obviously like you do have a message songs aren't there for songs sake they're they're there for reasons but like when recently you had the the guy who tweeted like i mean i'm still pissing myself laughing about it like the guy who tweeted rage against the machine and said well if you're going to be that all that political then i'm not going to listen to you anymore like this this this, this dude listen to rage against the machine and has completely and utterly missed the point of everything that Rage Against the Machine stood for. And that sort of pegged yeah. off me going, I wonder do idols have Tory listeners? Like, like I mean, like as a legit question. Like, I hope so. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I I'm not I'm not saying that you shouldn't or you should, but like oh, yeah, yeah. You're, no, you're, no, you're, you're an incredibly, um, what would be considered left-leaning band. I don't think so. I, I don't think I'm left, right, middle or fuck all. Like, but um, oh, what do you well, think? I mean, I think, I think personally and artistically, I'd like to think I come across as very left. Um, but to be very left, you have to empathize with your enemy or your adversary or your neighbor mm -hmm. because they disagree with you. doesn't mean that you, you shut them down. That's fascism. That's not, that's the antithesis of what, humanism is about humanism is about understanding that there are many billions of contexts in the world that make someone who they are and without conversation nothing changes art and music is not going to change the world it's what billy bragg said in Bally tv and it's like art and music is the catalyst for conversation and messaging and ideology and the shifting in cultures comes from people's actions organization and furthering what they believe through voting through what they buy where they buy it through you know it's it's easy to punch a nazi don't get me wrong and probably really enjoyable but that nazi's not going to go away and ever change his mind or his heart because he got punched in the face by someone you know and like our music is political in the sense where it's talking about the roles that we play in society. It's not, it is a, it is a pedestal in terms of they are my things and I'm putting them out there on a platform that's been given to me by radio one, by radio six, all the rest of it by magazines and, and, and Spotify, uh, begrudgingly. No, I'm, doing. Um, I'm actually trying to get a podcast with Spotify. 
Um, but like, I cut it out. <laughs> no, don't cut it out. It's, it, it's, it's, it's important. Um, but all these different platforms that have allowed me to to be me. But it's me. I'm not saying you do this. I'm saying this is me. That's all I can offer. It's a it's it's a mirror onto myself and a window onto the world. Like that's all anyone's got. I'm not. You know, there's a there's a huge difference between a political song and a political speech, and that's the intent. And like, I personally want to be able to have Tory voters come to our gigs and see that the love and the empathy of people who vote left isn't bullshit. It's not meek. It's fucking fierce. It's violent. It's beautiful. It's brutal. It's more humane and more human than resentment and hate will ever be. And you won't get that until you experience it with human interaction. And that's coming to the shows. So if we can open up the conversation and, and give people the arena to come in and see a bit of it, then that might change the world slightly. It might, it might, so, it, you know, because it's about the people that come to our shows that actually speak our language, people in the Afghan and, and people not in the Afghan, people that like really get our message wouldn't stop someone who votes Tory coming in our show. They'd go, yeah, come in, come in, have a bit. Yeah, but I mean that that's that, that's how that's how it should be. That like that's the way you only way you can get a society to have some sort of harmony is just understanding each other. Maybe you should stick like five Tories on the guest list each week on the show. I'd rather I'd rather say that for NHS workers. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Very no, true. Um, yeah. No, I get. <laughs> I get your joke. That would be funny. We should post it and just see loads of people literally fucking explode. <laughs> We're going to put five guest lists. To, uh, um, not, not voters, just MPs, Tory MPs. With, with the with the all of this happening in Ultramano um, coming out this year, um, you're not going to be able to play any live shows anytime soon. Unless no. there is something in the pipeline, God knows what. Um, are you having to think a little bit more creatively and outside of the box and how you communicate your new record to people? Yeah, I mean, luckily, this is the clearest. This is the most. Um, I'll say it again: the most fluent album we've written. I think, like what I was saying earlier, is that journalists, their questions are, are, are in line and interesting with the album because they get it because the message is clear. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think for that, like people are getting it from a distance. They don't have to be at the shows. They don't have to read the articles to get the album. They just, the two songs that have come out so far, they're like, we get it. Um, so on that level, I think artistically it's going to be easy. What we noticed and what we started straight away, because we're quite a proactive band and we talk about things a lot, is that as soon as I, I um, as soon as quarantine started, we were like, well, the whole landscape of us releasing an album is fucked. We need to change what we're doing and, and retain some sort of connection with our people so that we can move forward as a band and actually still have a conversation with our with our audience that isn't just here's our music and um and then we just you know it's that beauty from ashes thing that we've always worked with like when we started as a band i was 25 so or 24 so it's like 
I already knew that I was kind of pissing against the wind. And by the time we got anywhere, I was over the over the hill in terms of musicians, like pop musicians. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like we were pissing against the wind from the start. We didn't look the part. We didn't sound the part. Like rock and roll indie music was dying on its ass um, because it was shit. Mostly, is it, is it still? Yeah, because like trust me, I, 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 you know, and and you, you full, fully well know that guitar bands are pissing against the wind. But I like that because it sorts the wheat from the chaff. It's like, but, it, but if you it, if you if you're doing it to to make money, you're not going to get very far. If you do it because you love it and you want to learn your craft and get better and be amazing, then you'll get there. But you know, then, because that, that is it. Making it is is actually making the art. It's not making the money. It's it's never been easier for obviously to be able to listen to whatever the fuck you want at any given time, and that should never change. But the the people who keep or the gatekeepers to that um, is a smaller number, and it's like you know if they if if people at, at certain like streaming platforms or whatever say that like you know right hip hop is going to be dominant, um, bashment is going to be dominant, uh, like Afrobeat's going to be dominant. It, it fucking is like it, it's it's almost like what radio one probably would have been like in like the 90s 80s 70s 60s do you know what i mean like if you if they want something to be big it will be big and that doesn't make guitar music any better or worse it just means that it doesn't it doesn't delve into the mainstream anymore yeah no it doesn't delve into the mainstream um and like Again, it's just like that. We we were aware of that. We started a band when it was dying. But you're not a main like like you would be considered really now almost like jump getting to that mainstream. I mean, you got nominated for a fucking Brit, right? Um, like you know, there's not quite Kings of the Underground anymore when you're getting nominated for Brits and you and you're like um up for Mercury Music Prize and selling as many records and stuff as you are. Like you're probably in UK standards the the most angular, loud, noisy mainstream band in the country, like yeah. Well, that's I think that's just down to to the difference between style and fashion. Like we started when we'll call it indie. Like people are like getting a like a fit about it, but you know we we both know what we mean when we say indie music. Yeah, white men with guitars. So like. When we started, we knew that it wasn't popular and it wasn't going to be popular for a long time. And to be honest, I wasn't a fan of much music like that at the time. I was way more, you know, I was DJing like kind of hip hop, grime, um, house, even dubstep to my detriment at some points. Um, But I wasn't that fascinated by it in terms of current musicians what i knew is that i i wanted to make that music and revive it for me not for for other people i wanted to write an album as good as is this it even though is this it was like 10 years old i still was fascinated by that and Mm. so we just had to make it in our own language but what we did and what we were fascinated by was the craft and becoming fluent in our own language and that means not adhering to or, or being obsessed with fashion i'd say we're, we're kind of like the the black leather biker jacket like 
it never goes it never goes out of fashion because it's always stylish there's something about it that just is well made some of them obviously they're badly made ones but you spend a ton on a on a biker jacket it will look good if it fits it looks good on nearly everyone it's just a beautifully well designed well crafted thing that becomes fashionable now and again but it's always stylish and I think that's what you need to do. You need to be Nick Cave in the bad seeds. You need to be, <laughs> yeah. you need to be Radiohead. You need to just in, in, engulf yourself in your own world, in your own universe, learn your own language and speak it as truthfully and as vibrantly as possible. And you will always be stylish. You'll just never be in fashion. Like, well, you will be, but you won't become out of fashion because you're not just the fashion. You've, you've, you've made something mm. outside of that world that is just little vignettes of success. And no one wants that. Because you just want to make your own, make your own universe and make it beautiful and believable. There you have it. The, the, the converse high tops of music idols, the, the biker jackets of music idols. Um, Joe. Is that, is that, I don't yeah I, I that sounds really fucking wanky doesn't it but that's what we're aiming for that's not I, I, I get it I know I, I understand it I get it um I've really enjoyed talking to you for the for the last hour I'm I'm excited to hear Ultramano I'm probably equally as excited if not more to come and see you play live again <laughs> I love bringing somebody to with me to see you live that's never seen you before and I almost spend more time watching them watch you it's like almost like a live youtube reaction video it's great i brought i brought my friend jerry to go and see you um when you played at heaven and i was just watching him and he was like losing his absolute shit that was such a good show yeah, it was a very good show um well good luck with um ultramano is gonna what 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 dates are dropping 25th of september boom okay um, i'll get I'll, I'll send it over to you happy days can't i can't wait to hear it um yeah. well Listen, enjoy enjoy twenty the rest of twenty twenty as much as you possibly can. What else could go wrong, eh? For I, I'm Don't waiting. Tempt it. Mate. Don't tempt There's it. gonna be locusts in our garden or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the chat, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. It's good. Uh, it's good crack doing these. Um, do you know, it's almost like I mean, you, you do them as podcasts, but it it is quite stimulating as well because it's almost like the same shit you would get into in a over like a pint or something in a pub yeah yeah it's magic Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.